here we are another week as we are rolling through the Easter season. Welcome to the 23 Podcast, everybody. Michael Puppis is here with Father Herb Weber as we get ready for the fourth Sunday of Easter. Hello, Father. How are you doing today? I am very well, amazingly well. And uh, it's a beautiful morning. And I hope I hope everybody who's listening, whenever they're listening, that they find, even if it's, it's supposed to rain later in the week, but I hope that they find the rain to be good, too. Sure, sure. We um we're actually doing this again live on Facebook as we record the podcast. Uh, Lori Bartek just said hello. Good morning, Lori. We miss you. It's so good to see you. And um we we are uh, just really enjoying staying connected with community as we re- not only record the podcast but we celebrate Mass each week. You know, we had Mass this morning at the parish. I have loved you know these daily Mass readings of kind of traveling through Acts of the Apostles and kind of the rich readings that we're hearing in in the gospel. You know, you know, I've said for years that the weekday uh, mass is probably my, uh, my uh, baseline of my own personal spirituality. I love Sunday celebrations. uh, I mean, to no end. And it's really hard not having the big celebrations these days, but it's the, the weekday mass there's something about the rhythm of it. You just keep flowing from day to day. And, of course, during the Easter season, first reading is Acts of the Apostles, which is incredible. And then right now we're doing John's Gospel in Chapter 6 all week this week. So it just kind of keeps opening up and opening up and opening up. Um, and and today, today, of course, Tuesday, was the, the, the continuation of yesterday. I left Mass yesterday with a cliffhanger of what happened to Stephen. So people had to tune in to find out. Yeah, at least it wasn't like a series finale, you know, where you have to wait all summer to to figure out. Hey, by the way, I'm sitting here, uh, I'm recording at my desk in my piano room today, and I'm looking at this little statue. I'm going to see if you remember this. Do you remember this? I sure I do. It's a beautiful statue. Um, I got it from you. It's a statue of Mary with Jesus that uh, you... You got it from me, but I didn't give it directly to you. I made it a big <laughs> It was a re-gift. No. Uh, well, actually, it is a re-gift from years ago. I got it. But no, at Christmas, I, at our staff Christmas dinner, I always have things to give out. Everybody gets something. And then there's usually about six or seven special gifts uh, that it's according to lottery. And some people are winners, and some people are winners, and some people are less winners. Uh, I found it funny that we had a few people out this year due to illness, and they still won prizes. I actually found that to be a bit unfair. I'm, t- I'm talking to you, Tina. <laughs> yeah, Tina couldn't come. She was sick, and so Pete stayed home as well, and I think they both won. They did. They, bo- they both won. T- Tina and Pete both won. Well, again, it's good to be with all of you as we are uh, kind of venturing through another week of the Easter season, and this weekend is... The fourth Sunday of Easter is always known as as Good, Good Shepherd, Shepherd Sunday. Sunday. See, I've learned well yeah. from you. Uh, it's really, uh, and this is kind of like the the background. We had Easter, and of course the stories of resurrection, and then the Sunday after is always the story of doubting Thomas, but it's the story of resurrection. Last week, we had the road to Emmaus, which is the story of the resurrection. And that is as far as we go in recalling the different uh, accounts of the resurrection. I counted about 
depends on how you divide the accounts of resurrection. It's about 13 different stories in the four Gospels. But uh, I, uh, I think we've gone through those as much as we're going to go through them at Sunday Mass. So when we get to the fourth Sunday of Easter, it's more like, where do we go from here? And so Jesus is always presented as the shepherd. And the, the, good, the good shepherd accounts come from chapter 10 of John's Gospel. So this is year A. So it's, there's three years, A, B, C. So this is year A. So chapter 10, we have verses 1 to 10. Next year, year B, we have chapter 10 of John's Gospel, year, verses 11 to 20. And then the third year, we have the next one, which is verses 21 to, uh, I think it's 27. It's a little shorter. So we, we always have the Gospel of John, chapter 10. It's always the Good Shepherd uh, image, but it's three different parts of the same chapter over three years. Which, so we are at the top top of the chapter this year. Which is neat because it kind of allows each year as we kind of go through the liturgical cycle to kind of build upon the previous year, if you can remember back that far. Yeah, I was going to see if you can remember. Okay, so let's go into this week's gospel. And it's uh, really two parts, not even. There's the big half and the small half. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to read the, the long half and you get the small half, okay? <laughs> Story of our relationship. Yeah. <laughs> It, what's that? What's that song about you and me? But it's mostly me. You and me, yes, from the Book of Mormon. Yeah, that, we should write our own musical, the Catholic Church. Okay, I think some people have. It's called Sister, uh, Sister Act. Okay, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. By the way, Jesus said, "This is a phraseology type thing that comes up in John's Gospel all the time, and it's basically saying." Now, folks, listen up closely. And it's amen, amen, I say to you. That's the phrase. I start with amen, amen, I say to you. And then when Michael reads his part, he also says amen, amen, I say to you. Are you ready? Jesus said, amen, amen, I say to you. Whoever does not enter a sheepfold through the gate, but climbs over elsewhere, is a thief and a robber. But whoever enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice as the shepherd calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has driven out all his own, he walks ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. But they will not follow a stranger. They will run away from him because they do not recognize the voice of a stranger. Although Jesus used this figure of speech, the Pharisees did not realize what he was trying to tell them. So Jesus said again, Amen, amen, I say to you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and slaughter and destroy. I came so that they may have life and have it more abundantly. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, of course, the primary image is that of a shepherd and sheep. It's also the image of a, a gate, a pen. Uh, sheep were often kept together in the same pen. So your sheep and my sheep and somebody else's sheep are all together. But the next day, they all come out with each separate shepherd. But here's the problem. 
here's the problem. Father, what's we, the problem? Here's the problem. Most of us don't know anything about sheep. When Jesus told the story, it's probably the most common image in people's minds. I'm going to give you a, a, a little question, a uh, test. Okay. You know the answer. Oh, good. Maybe. Okay. All right. Thanks. What, what was Jesus' trained profession? He was a carpenter. Does he tell any stories about carpentry? Not that I can recall. There's a couple allusions to building something, but you're right. So he talks about shepherds. He talks about farmers sowing seeds. He hangs out with fishermen, and there's a bunch of accounts about fishing. Yeah. Um, and there's even some images of, of uh, you know, the millstone, you know, grinding the mill and things like that. But the reality is he doesn't seem to talk about his own profession, but he talks about what the people knew. And they knew shepherds. And they knew shepherding. And um, have you ever seen a shepherd? I have not. An, an actual shepherd. Uh, I have now several times in other countries, not here. But I will tell you the uh, the first time I, I was 20, 30 years, probably about 30 years ago, I was riding on a bus, one of those uh, second, third class buses mm -hmm. in Guatemala. And they are basically old American school buses. There's an old saying that says, uh, American bu school buses don't die. They just move to Central America. <laughs> so they, they take the old buses and they repaint them in real bright, gaudy colors and maybe have danger all over. And they're often called the chicken buses because people bring in their, their chickens and their pigs and whatever. So I was sitting on this bus all day long and I made the mistake. I got on the bus and I noticed everybody sat on the same side. But the seats were available on the other side, so I sat on the other side. The reason they sat on one side is because of the direction we were going, the sun was shining through the window on the side where I was seated. So it was very hot, very uncomfortable. And you, you know, for whatever reason, they do not like to open windows down there. I so can, yeah, I can remember the yeah. the buses. And, and what I remember in particular was the amount of people on one bus, they were almost seemed to be like f falling out of the windows that it would not pass social distancing guidelines in 2020. <laughs> so anyway, so I was on this bus and we were coming for, I came from Mexico over, over the border and I was traveling alone. So I had a lot of time to look out the window and there, the, this is called the highlands. It's a kind of a plain type area. There's some mountains of course, but it's, it's almost like literally the high uh, plains. And out there on the hillside, you would see the sheep and you'd see a person just standing there watching them all day long. And as, as you drive by, of course, it looks like the person's almost uh, standing still. They might be moving a little bit, but they, it's almost like a, a, it's very picturesque, very pastoral. And of course, even the word pastoral, pastor means shepherd. So, um, it was, that was the first time I thought, so now I get it. The, the, the job of a shepherd is complete commitment, total commitment to the sheep. And uh, so when Jesus says, I'm the shepherd, it's a, a story of commitment. It's also a story of great, great uh, 
commitment of time, but also commitment of energy and commitment of his life or her life. Nowadays, there are shepherds who are women too. Uh, that, you know, I will lay down my life for my sheep. That's a, a pretty big commitment. How does that transfer to you into your call to priesthood? What, you know, was the image of, of shepherd in your mind as you heard that vocational call? I don't know that I, I guess I, it was not early on. I had to grow into the image of being the shepherd. I think I wanted to be one who would help people. One of my favorite cartoons was a little cartoon of this flock of sheep. And there was one sheep there that had a t-shirt on. And on the t-shirt it said, staff. <laughs> and I love that because I think that was my image that I am with the other sheep. Maybe I'm part of the staff, uh, but I'm a sheep myself. So I think of Jesus as the shepherd. Sure. Now, of course, my job is to help represent Jesus as the shepherd. And uh, as I've grown into it, I think, I think I have to really say that you have to be a leader, but you have to be willing to sacrifice. And you have to take yourself out of the equation. It's not about me. It's not about uh, getting attention for myself. It's, it's got to be what's good for the people. By the way, that is how I define the word leader. I think a leader, I think one of the, you look at many organizations, many types of organizations, uh, private ones, uh, public ones, uh, for-profit uh, companies, the, the leader is an incredibly important person and doesn't mean he has to be boss or she. The leader has to be someone who sets the vision and helps people get to it? You know, and I, brings forward. I remember last week uh, when Paul was on the show with us, and we were talking about the idea of also listening in conversation. You know, the fact that obviously we need to be able to to talk and, and converse with people, but a really important and I think an important characteristic of a leader is to be a good listener too, and to really make sure that you know the thoughts and the feelings of the people that you are are working with you know you, you have to listen at several levels you listen to the people you're working with you listen to your your fellow staff you also have to listen and I, I'm making this very spiritual you have to listen to God's call the 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 mission of the church the evangelization you listen to the scriptures and you, you have to be able to put it all together. We're talking about we were talking about the reading of the of the Acts of the Apostles as an ongoing thing during during um, the season of Easter. Sure. And I recall 15 years ago when I first was told that I was going to start a new parish. Immediately, I thought to myself, I have to go back and reread the Acts of the Apostles because it is all about how does the church start and of course, it's the power of the Holy Spirit, incredible commitment and willingness to suffer. And you find that out uh, with all the apostles. Today, we had the, the stoning of St. Stephen, but we hear about all that Paul goes through himself later on. Um, but it's also about willing to listen to the call, whatever the call might be, and to take the correct steps. And 
a leader is can't be just saying, I'm now running the show, it's all about me. That is not a leader. And the, the image of the good shepherd is, you know, he'll lay down his life. Well, and two, I think the it's it's not only that the shepherd is the leader, it's that the flock is completely dependent upon the leader, but also together. And what a, a great image for what we're going through right now, that we as community are not alone, that we are together as, as a flock, but that we are dependent upon Jesus, dependent upon God as shepherd um, to nurture us and to take care of us and to, um, to bring hope in dark times. Yeah. And you and I and the entire pastoral team here at John the 23rd, we've been talking about what will mass look like when people start coming back together. Yeah. And, you know, if the definition of church is really a gathering, we have to gather very cautiously because we respect each other, because we love each other, we keep a distance. It's not in spite of the fact that we love each other, but because we love each other. And I, th- I think this is going to be very hard. People are going to weep and cry that we can't have sometimes overflowing crowds like, uh, like we want, expected to have at Easter. You know, if we go back three, four months ago, we expected. Um, at the same time, I think that we have to look at it as some really good stuff will come out of this. We're going to find different ways and new ways. Now, I fully expect uh, it's going to be a, a slow process. Uh, it's going to take a while for people to even feel comfortable, which is okay. I want to respect that. At the same time, I think that we have to say that this is, uh, it's almost like rebuilding the church again, uh, where there's something that draws us back beyond watching it online. Being walking, watching it online is fine, but not enough. I, uh, I noticed earlier this week, Father Jeff Rose shared a a memory of Easter from last year on Facebook and just seeing the church with literally packed with a thousand people in it. Um, it, it, one, it, it made me emotional to see that many people in the church again, but two, it struck me as strange that in some ways, and I don't like that I've almost gotten used to the way that we're doing things right now. And I don't want to become complacent in that. But the third thing that I felt was almost a, an anxiety of what will it be like to be around that many people again, whether it's gathering as church or, or at a store or at a restaurant or whatever. Well, I, I think there's going to be a lot of anxiety for you and me because uh, in our particular setting, but because we are seeing it now, I can't say I get used to having empty pews, but my brain is saying that's the norm right now. My no- brain is saying, oh, yeah, people aren't sitting there. That's that's what I expect. Yeah. Uh, my heart says that's a, not the norm. Right. Right. Well, for those of you joining us, uh, we are live on Facebook again as we record the 23 podcast. Good morning to Anita and to Kathy saying hello. And uh, we're just getting ready to wrap up the podcast as we're discussing the fourth Sunday of Easter, which we also call Good Shepherd Sunday. So... I, I, just, I just want to say one more thing. Yeah, please do. In the early church, because there were the persecutions, and they started pretty early. There were different kinds of persecutions, went through a couple of centuries, actually. And 
the the first image of Jesus was of Jesus the Good Shepherd. And it wasn't just like, oh, well, we want to have Jesus as a good shepherd because he it's a, you know, a, a warm, touchy, you know. Oh, doesn't it make you feel so good? Yeah, cozy feeling. Yeah. I, I think they, they wanted Jesus as a good shepherd because he's reliable, he's strong. And I've seen the original painting of Jesus. It's in the catacombs under Rome. You go down the steps and over the archway, and it's kind of dark and damp down there and there's a painting of jesus dressed like a roman kind of with a toga and the dark almost like curly hair but with a sheep over his shoulder it is such an incredible image of jesus the image of jesus on the cross the crucifixion uh, the crucifix that we hang now that came later the the early church had to sort of reflectively prayerfully meditate on jesus death till they found the image of death was also an image of, of victory. But Jesus as the good shepherd came really early. We have about one minute left. Father, I want to ask you a question, um, just of things that I've been either reading online or um, it kind of experiencing in conversations I've had with people. What would you say to people that are having a hard time in finding God in the midst of what's going on right now? Boy... I can't answer that in a minute, but I will say you have to set aside the notion that only good things happen to good people. You know, there's there can be trials and challenges for everybody. I think you can also do like I'm trying to do right now, create this uh, list of things to be thankful for, because sometimes that reminds you that God is with us. And God is going to walk this journey with us. We're, you know, we're coming, we'll come out on the other side. It might not be right away. It might, I mean, to really come out on the other side might be a year or two down the road. I'm not talking about not going to church for a year. I'm just talking about getting back to some sort of semblance of normalcy. It might be a couple of years. But how we deal with this really does make a, a big difference. And we have to realize we're not dealing with it by ourselves. Yeah, I love you know, this, the whole idea of making a list of things that you're grateful for, because it's, it's a recognition of all the blessings along the way. And there are so many. All right. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of the 23 podcast, man. These 23 minutes goes by even faster at home. Our, our next parish will be John the 46th. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to listen to us for that long, to be completely frank with you. Okay. Hey, God bless you, everybody. Take care. We'll see you at Mass this weekend, 10 a.m. on Sunday.